Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy Father's Day to all you fathers out there. Let's stand to our feet and worship together this morning.
for that freedom this morning. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so thankful for that freedom. I'm thankful that I can wake up each and every day knowing that I'm not in bondage to my struggles, I'm not in bondage to my past, but that I have freedom in Christ. And we have that living hope because of who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. And so Pastor Jason's going to continue our goat series this morning. He's going to talk about the living hope that a certain goat founding God even in spite of all of his mistakes and shortcomings. And so as we worship this morning, let's just really just lean into God and let's just celebrate the fact that we have a hope in Christ. We have a hope in Jesus. And let's worship him and let's give him all the praise that we can this morning, all right? Okay. 
that you are our hope. God, I pray that this morning that we can celebrate that, that we can be grateful for that, that we can turn our hearts toward you, God, that we can hear the very word that you have for each one of us this morning. So God, we celebrate you this morning. We thank you for the precious gift of Jesus. We thank you for what you did, Jesus. You uh, raised again so that we can have a living hope in our life that we can go out into the workaday world and we can we can know that we can be victorious. And so God, we thank you. We praise you for that here today. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Watch this. Welcome to Salem Fields Community Church. We're really glad that you're here with us today. If there's anything we can do for you, don't hesitate to ask one of our welcome team members in the green shirts. If you're a first time guest, be sure to stop by the table in the lobby to learn more about Salem Fields and to pick up your free gift. Parents, at Salem Fields Community Church, we really want to partner with you to help your children discover and embrace a growing relationship with Jesus. Infants up to kids in fifth grade can check in at the stations in the big lobby. Students in sixth through 12th grade are welcome to join the service in student room next to the main auditorium. Your children will be safely cared for by our trained staff and volunteers, all with current background checks. And if you're a new parent and you're not quite ready to take your baby to the nursery, if you need to, you can watch the service in the family room where we have comfortable private seating, toys, and a changing station. Now is a great time to pull out your phone to use your favorite social media app, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat. They're all super easy ways to invite your friends to SFCC. And, and now's a good time for you uh, to, to silence your phone. I'm recording, just a second, please. Our programs include all the basic information you want to know about Salem Fields, including service times, contact information, as well as news and announcements. 
The connection card is one of the best ways to communicate with us. So fill that out now, then you can update your contact info, ask for a prayer and update us on all your health and hospital needs and request info on small groups, upcoming missions and serving. If you're watching online, you can fill out the online card by clicking on the blue connection card button above the chat room or contact us link on salemfields.com. More than anything, we just really hope that you're able to connect with God today. And remember that Salem Fields, we exist to know Jesus and to share real hope with anyone, everywhere. That's what we're all about. So in addition to that, we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments at the very next song, actually. So you can be getting ready for that. You can see the variety of ways that you can give. And I hope that you've discovered the joy of giving. It really is about having a closer relationship with Jesus Christ when we give him the first of every everything that we have. It, it truly does work in our lives. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Well, it is Father's Day today, right? We're so thankful for our fathers. And I went through Dunkin', Buddy and I went through Dunkin' Donuts this morning. I gave him a Dunkin' Donuts uh, card for Father's Day. And then, and the, yeah, he said there's nothing like Dunkin' Donuts. And then we went through Dunkin' Donuts and he spent it on me. <laughs> and he's not even my father. He's my husband, <laughs> but that was awesome. And the guy that was working in Dunkin' Donuts, I, he, I said, are you a father? Because he gives me my coffee quite often. And he said, yes, I have uh, a three-year-old, one-year-old, and one on the way. And so I'm like, wow, and you're working at Dunkin' Donuts? I'm just blown away. And he and I have this little relationship, right, buddy? You do too. Yeah, our Dunkin' Donuts guy. So it's a good Father's Day. So if you are a father, would you please stand? I would love to pray for you this morning. Go ahead and stand. Be proud of that. Uh, everybody, yes. Everybody hold up the num fingers uh, of the number of children you have. Wow, look, look. Yeah, five. Wow. I'm telling you, that alone should just take our breath away, right? Fathers, thank you so much for being here. I'm telling you, it never, I never get tired of looking out there and seeing men who have decided to go to church and to lead the way. And no matter what the past is, you're saying to your children, church is important. And uh, I'll tell you, the women in your life will love that, right, women? We Yes, we do. And uh, so thank you so much for all that you do. I know that being a father is a really, really difficult job sometimes. And sometimes you say, why did I get myself into this? Well, you know why you did. <laughs> you know how and you know why, right? <laughs> and you're thankful for those children that you have, even though sometimes they might drive you crazy. But uh, thank you, fathers, so much for, for what you do. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for being the perfect father that we can look to. And, and Lord, I just pray a special blessing on all the men here, all those that are watching online that are fathers, all the children that are represented among these fathers. And I know, Lord, uh, men struggle sometimes. Sometimes they feel like they just didn't do a good enough job. But the fact that they're here today, Lord, the fact that they're looking towards you, means that they are a man after your own heart. And so, God, I thank you so much for them. I pray that you will wrap your loving arms around them, that you will encourage them in those difficult days and help them to celebrate in those wonderful days. And, and so, Father, help them not to 
uh, base their worth on how well they did or how well they didn't do, Lord, but on the fact that you love them, you created them, and they are your child. And so, Father, we thank you so much for being here with us. And once again, I pray a special blessing over each father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, fathers. And I am humbled always to see uh, the men. I'm so thankful for my father. I got to have him the first 15 years of my life, and then he passed away. But what a difference he made in my life. And guess what, you guys? You're going to be so glad that you came today. This is your gift the problem is you need a knife to get to the knife. So I'm not sure what you're going to do about that. But pick one of these up on the way out. And again, it's just a little token to say thank you guys so much. When you look at this, remember that God loves you. And so do your kids. They're looking at you no matter what kind of relationship you have. You are significant in their life. So thank you so much for that. Watch this. Come on in, take a seat. Why don't you grab a pen and paper? Sure. Okay. And what I'm gonna have you do is write a letter to your son that you're gonna give to him when he turns 18. I want you to write a letter to your daughter. Okay. For when she turns 18. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Son's only four years old, so this will be interesting. Dear Olivia. Dear Mason, you won't read this letter for six years, and a lot could change between now and then. Hopefully, you've learned by now that it's important to put on clothes before you go outside. Maybe you've learned that vegetables are your friends. I sincerely hope that all of the dabbing has finally stopped. And also that it's pronounced mac and cheese. Not monkey cheese, mac and cheese. You dream of becoming a famous singer, so thank you in advance for all the free concert tickets. Is this still your goal to be a professional YouTuber? I know you were hoping to become a giraffe when you grew up, but hopefully you have some even better career options now. It hasn't always been easy. I sat on a piece of gum you left on a chair yesterday and didn't find out until after work. The dishes really do go in the dishwasher. It's not like a metaphor or something. Remember when you cut your own hair and then you tried to fix it? Basically, I didn't sleep for three years straight. But I can tell you this. Despite all the struggles, all the tears, it was completely worth it. And I would do it again a hundred times over for you. You are a gift and a blessing. You've changed my life. You are beautiful and strong. You have so much energy in life, and I can already see how incredibly smart and fearless you are. More than anything, I want you to know that I love you. I'm here for you. Whatever you need. You have made me so proud. And I am excited to see how God uses your life. You're ready to take on the world. With all my heart. Love always. Dad. 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 Oh, wasn't that sweet? I wanted a giraffe body type too, but I got warthog, so <laughs> careful what you wish for, kids. Um, and I didn't even get to tell my dad happy birthday, or wait, happy Father's Day. 
And poor Jason had to sing Happy Father's Day to himself this morning. So it's been a rough, rough Mueller morning, Mueller Marston. But anyway, we're going to continue our GOAT series this morning, Greatest of All Time. And last week, do you guys remember who we talked about? Very good. All right, two people remember, Deborah. And uh, this week, we're going to be talking about David. And not only was David a giant slayer and a king and so many other things, he was also an amazing songwriter, probably one of the original songwriters that wrote it all down, and um, it's still with us today. And this era, do you guys know who the greatest songwriter of all time is, according to Rolling Stone and many other internet sites? Who? What'd you say? Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan. You got it. So Bob Dylan didn't just write like, just like a Rolling Stone and those things. He wrote so many songs. His songwriting library is extremely long. But in honor of David, the original singer-songwriter, we have chosen Mr. Tambourine Man because he was the original Mr. Tambourine Man. And so is Rich, so take it away. Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following you Though I know that evening's empire has returned into sin Vanish from my hand let me blindly get a stand, but I still sleep My weariness amazes me, I'm branded on my feet. I have no one to me, and the ancient empty streets do devil dreaming. Sit, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me. I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to Said, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, play a song for me In the jingle jangle morning I come following you You take me on a trip upon your magic swirling ship My senses have been stripped my hands can't feel the grip My toes too numb to stare Wait only for my boot heels to be wandering And I'm ready to go anywhere I'm ready for the fade Into my own parade Cast your dancing spell my way I promise to go wandering I said, hey, Mr. Tambourine song for me I'm not sleepy and there is no place I'm going to I said hey Mr. Tambourine Bell play a song for me in the jingle jingle morning I come following you though you might hear a laughing spinning swinging madly across the sun it's not aimed at anyone just escaping on the run For by the sky, for there are no fences facing And if you hear vague traces of Skipping reels of rhyme To your tambourine in time Just a ragged clown behind Wouldn't pay it any mind 
just a shadow that you'll see that he's chasing. Down the foggy rooms of time Far past the frozen leaves And the haunted frightened trees Yeah, out the windy beach Far from the twisted reach of all crazy sorrow Just an illusion. I have a dream. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And um, buddy turned me on to a, a video last night. He told me to go and look at that commercial for stepdads. And I'll tell you, Budweiser did it justice. And stepdads, if you haven't seen it, go out and find it. It's, it's amazing. You know, stepdads have a difficult role. Uh, sometimes, but um, it, it's great that you step up and you take that responsibility on. So uh, a special kudos to those that, that fill in the gaps. Um, you know, before we get started this morning, um, I'd just like to kind of start us off with a little joke that I heard and thought I'd share it with you. So I heard about this elderly lady that came into church on one Sunday, and, and an usher asked her where she'd like to sit. She responded by saying that she'd like to sit in the very front row. The usher looked at her and said, ma'am, are you sh really sure about that? You see, the pastor, he's pretty, his preaching's really boring, and you might fall asleep. The woman looked at the usher and said, do you know who I am? He replied, no. She went on to let him know that she was the pastor's mother. The usher then quickly asked, do you know who I am? He replied, no. She replied, no, and the usher quickly left the room. <laughs> You know, it's Father's Day, and, and it's tough being a, a dad. It's tough being a, a, not only a dad, but a, a man, and because I think so much we try to strive to be the greatest. 
We want to be the greatest of all time in our home. And we, 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 we strive at it. We, we, uh, we, we think we're doing our best. And a lot of times it seems like we're falling short. Um, and, and you know, uh, and, and I know in my home, the greatest of all time has to be my wife, Jody. And I'm not saying that to get bonus points. But, you know, my kids, they love and adore her. She does right. I make mistakes. And she seems to correct my mistakes. And I think that's how that works sometimes. But we know there's nothing else that I'd like to be more than that greatest in my home. And I think every man strives to be that, the greatest in our job, the greatest in, in our successes. But I, I learned uh, through this, this, the goat of the Bible today uh, that, you know, our greatest accomplishments, are the, what can really truly make us great isn't our success, but our mistakes. And then it's what we do with those mistakes. You know... At times, uh, if I'm just being real with you, I strive to be so great. I, I want to be so great as a, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, and, and I fall short so often. And, and, and it's, it's tough because I just want to do my best. I, I used to think that being a pastor or, or, or I had to be perfect in everything that I did. But David taught me that it's okay not to be perfect. What's most important is that you have a heart after God. And through that, you'll find perfection just in that relationship alone. Today, I'd like to, to have us leave with this in our mind as, as the big picture that, that, that of, of for today is this, is that, that we need to capture the heart of God by always seeking him no matter what mistakes we've made. If we can just grasp that today and, and le learn that we can just capture the heart of God and constantly seek him uh, by, by th through our mistakes, and that will capture the heart of God. And that will, in turn, help us to be the greatest of all time in our surroundings. You see, David caught the imagination of God. He, he caught the imagination of God, which leads him to being the, one of the greatest goats of the Bible, I think. You see, in Acts 13, 22, uh, Paul is talking about David and how great he was. It says, after removing Saul, this was God removing Saul from, from, the, from uh, the throne, he made David their king. God testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. You know, you, we may be saying, who is David? Some of you might be asking that question. We know David and Goliath. But see, David, David was the smallest son of Jesse. He had brothers, and, and Samuel had, had, had spoken, uh, God had spoken to, to Samuel and said, go to the house of Jesse and anoint the one that I've chosen to be king. And there were a lot more candidates better than David. I mean, David was the youngest, he was the smallest, he was the scrawniest, and he took care of the sheep, which wasn't a very favorable job. And, and, but God saw something in David at a very young age. David then went on to be a servant and served uh, uh, the, the people when they were on the battlefield. He would bring the food out to his brothers and while the Israelites were being taunted by the Philistines. And we know how that story goes that, you know, the, they just said, the giant Goliath was saying, just let me just uh, bring one person. If he defeats me, then the battle will be won. And no one would stand up to him, but... But David had a heart after God and knew that he could do this with the, the strength of God. And, and he, he picked up that, those five stones and he took that sling and he slayed the giant. And that, that, that makes him pretty great because he brought freedom 
from the, to the Israelite people because the Philistines fled. And then, and then he, he was, became the general, the great general of, 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 for, for Saul and his armies. And he served. He served faithfully the king. And, and you know, he would, he would go out and, and, and defeat all these armies and, and people sang him praises. But he was still, he was humble in that. He didn't want the praise and the accolades for that. As people praised him by saying, you know, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed ten thousands. And that makes him pretty great. I mean, he's powerful. He's, he's a great military leader. He's, he's got this thing. His, his resume is looking phenomenal. And then what I think the world standards would say. You know, David is mentioned over 600 times in the Old Testament. He's mentioned 60 times in the New Testament. So he's pretty important to transcend from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's, in the, he's in the, mentioned in the very first chapter of the first book of the New Testament and the very last chapter of the last book of the New Testament. David's pretty important. But yet, despite all these great accomplishments that David had, David made some mistakes. And he made some pretty big mistakes. And I think it's how David handled those mistakes that in turn make him the greatest of all time. David has taught me that it's okay to make mistakes as long as you seek out the Lord because God will still, God still loves you. God doesn't stop loving you. You know, uh, this, this past week's been quite difficult in, in a sense because um, I was I uh, had to prepare, and I did a, a, fu- a large funeral service yesterday for, for one of our um, county's deputies. And, and, um, and, you know, learning how to handle our mistakes can prevent the tragedy that happened to that family. By talking about it, by owning up to it, by, by learning from David and what he did and how he handled those things, we can, we can then in turn be great. You see, David had a great failure. There was a battle taking place, and the Israelite people were going against the Ammonites, and, and they, were, they, were, they were battling it out. And, and David was, was waiting to be called into action to kind of finish the battle so the king would get the glory. And, and so as he was kind of thinking about this battle one night, he, he decided that he was going to take a little walk. And he walked up to the rooftop of his, of his place, and out in, in, the neighbor's, uh, in the neighbor's house sat this woman who was bathing. And David decided to take a glance and then a second glance and, and, and decided, wow, she's beautiful. I want her. Who is she? And so he sent one of his servants to go find out who it was. And it happened to be one of his leaders, Uriah the Hittite's wife, who was off to war. He invited this woman over and, 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 and ended up uh, sleeping with her, which tarnished his relationship with God. And he took it to that to, to, to do away with his guilt. Um, she became pregnant, and, and then David, to try to cover it up, tried to bring Uriah back and said, hey, come, come here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feed you. I'm going to take care of you. And then he wanted him to go and sleep with his wife so that it would look like the child was his. Uriah was being a man of honor and not, not wanting to do those things because the, the troops he was leading weren't coming home. And so he didn't go. And so when David was getting frustrated because he knew that this was going to be found out. And so David started covering it up. And, and when we cover up our mistakes, things start to spiral out of control. 
And so David makes the decision, you know what? He's not going to listen to me. He's not going to follow the plan I'm hoping to so I can cover this mistake up. So I'm going to send Uriah to the front lines. And when the enemy attacks, I want the army to pull back so Uriah's out there all alone. And then Uriah was then struck down by the enemy. And Uriah died. The story goes on to say that, that once the, the Uriah's widow, Bathsheba, found out about this, and after she mourned, David then took her in as, as his own wife. And, and, and David was just thought that was going to be the end of it. But David had someone in his life that was important to have in your life, an accountability partner, someone that's going to hold you to it. And, and, and that happened to be Nathan, the prophet. You see, it says in the, the, all that comes in Samuel, uh, 2 Samuel uh, chapter 11, and, and where Nathan approaches David in this story is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And we're going to take a look at that this morning. It says, so the Lord sent Nathan, the prophet Nathan, to tell David this story. There were two men in a certain city, one very rich, owning many flocks of sheep and herds of goats, and the other very poor, owning nothing but a little lamb he, was, he had managed to buy. It was his children's pet that he fed it from his own plate and let it drink from his own cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. Recently, a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing the lamb from his own flocks for food for the traveler, he took the poor man's lamb and roasted it and served it. David was furious. I swear by the living God, he vowed, that any man who would do anything like that should be put to death. He shall repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole for, for having no pity. Then Nathan said to David, you are that rich man. The Lord of Israel says, I made you the king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you this palace and his wives and, his, and the kingdoms of, of Israel and Judah. And if it had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the laws of God and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah and stolen his wife. Therefore, murder shall be a constant threat in your family from the time... From this time on, because you have insulted me by taking Uriah's wife. I vow that because of you've done this, I will cause your, great, your household to rebel against you. I will give your wives another man, and he will go to bed with them in public view. You did it secretly, but this will be done to you openly in sight of all of Israel. I have sinned against the Lord, David confessed to Nathan. Then Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you and you won't die from this sin. But you have a great opportunity to the enemies of the Lord to despise and blaspheme him, so your child shall die. Then Nathan returned to his home, and the Lord made Bathsheba's baby deathly sick. David begged to spare him and the child and without no food, and he lay, he lay all night before the Lord on the bare earth. The leaders of the nation pleaded with him to get up and to eat, but he refused. Then the seventh day, the baby died. David's aides were afraid to tell him. He was so broken up about the baby being sick, they said, what will he do to himself when we tell him the child is dead? But when David saw them whispering, he realized what had happened. Is the baby dead, he asked. 
Yes, they replied, he is. Then David got up off the ground, washed himself, brushed his hair, changed his clothes, and went into the tabernacle and worshiped the Lord. Then he returned to the palace and ate. His aides were amazed. We don't understand you, they told him. While the baby was still living, you wept and refused to eat. But now that the baby is dead, you have stopped your mourning and you're eating again? David replied, I fasted and wept while the child was alive. For I said, perhaps the Lord will be gracious to me and let the child live. But why should I fast when he is dead? Can I bring him back again? Shall I go to him? But shall, I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. Then David comforted Bathsheba, and they went, he went and slept with her and conceived and gave birth to another son named Solomon. And the Lord loved the baby and sent congratulations, blessing, blessings through Nathan and the prophet. David nicknamed the baby Jedidiah, meaning beloved of Jehovah, because of the Lord's interest. You see, David was confronted on his mistake. And, and the way that David responds to this mistake uh, is so different than a lot of the ways we respond to our mistakes. A lot of times we, we, get, we, we are hit with mistakes and we don't want to own up to it and, and we try to run from that mistake only to, to, for things to continually spiral out of control in such a way that we, we, don't, we don't see the way out. And we try to make our own way out. But David handled this mistake, which makes him so great in the proper way. You see, David responded. You know, I've been, I've been really interested this year as I've been reading through the Bible in a year. Um, it's the, I, and I'll admit it, I have never been able to read the Bible all the way through in a year. And this year I've made it way further than I've ever made before. But it's been great because of reading it chronologically. And so when you read this story in 2 Samuel, the great way when you read this chronologically, you, you can go to Psalms 51. Because we learned that David, when, when admitting to a sin and learning what was going to happen, that he went and prayed before God. And we can learn exactly what that prayer was when we go to Psalms 51. You see, David started to realize the wrong that he had made. And, and it says that it says in verse 1, it says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my, all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know all my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and only you have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even from the womb. You taught me wisdom in a secret place. Cleanse me and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew my steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me uh, in the joy of your salvation and grant me the willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach your transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, and you who are my God, my Savior, my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in a sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in the burnt offering. My sacrifice, O oh God, is this broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. 
You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion and to build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of righteousness and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bowls will be offered on the altar. You see, David's prayer says it all in how he became so great through this mistake. You see, I, I have to believe this. When we go back to our key verse of, 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 of in Acts 13, 22, that, that David was a man after God's own heart, I don't think that because of this mistake, um, I, I have to believe that we wouldn't be reading about David in the New Testament if God still, he didn't have God's heart still. I think this would have been a story like some of the others that we've read in the Bible who had had mistakes and their story doesn't continue on. Because of this and having that heart of greatness, David, David is that line that the Messiah comes from, that Jesus comes from. David lives up to the words of, of being able to, to teach about all the, t- the, the transgressors the ways so that sinners will turn back to you. I, I can testify to that because I see that that's what, learning from this, note, realizing that I don't have to be perfect as a pastor. I can make mistakes. I mean, I make mistakes, believe it or not. I mean, my kids say that the shirt's a mistake. So I took it up one notch. I got the socks that match. (laughs) It's Father's Day. It's a great day to embarrass your kids. You know, no, I make mistakes. I respond in, in an inappropriate way to my kids when they frustrate me. Or, or I don't take responsibility when I'm wrong, and I know I'm wrong, when I'm in a discussion with my wife. You know, I, I make mistakes. I'm human. And I used to think that I couldn't make mistakes. But David teaches us that it's okay to make mistakes if we handle our mistakes in the proper way. And when we do that, we're going to capture the heart of God. You see, God, we've already captured the heart of God. It's because if we didn't capture the heart of God, each and every one of us, then he would never have sent Jesus. He would have never sent Jesus. So I'm here to tell you this morning this, that despite your mistakes, despite what you may think, God loves you. He loves you. He loves you the same today as he did yesterday. His love for you never changes. He can't love you any more. He can't love you any less. He is madly in love with you. So don't let your mistakes hold you back from experiencing that love that God has. That's what David's teaching us. See, David was great. He worshiped God. He prayed to God. He served God. He led with humility because he knew who was in charge, and that was God. The one thing I also think, the mention on Father's Day that I think is, is true for all of us men, despite if we're a father or not, we can live like David and be great when we're the father to the, to the fatherless. We have so many young men that are out there that are hurting because they have absent fathers. And see, David did just that. You see, Jonathan, who was David's best friend, who was Saul's son that died in battle, had a child. 
And when David became king, they put that child in hiding because people thought that, they, that David would kill him because he was in the line and succession of Saul. And when David heard of this, that this father of this child had been put off in a way and, and, and who was crippled and was struggling in life, David brought him to the palace and treated him as royalty that he deserved for being that bloodline and took care of a fatherless child. We, we, on Father's Day, can be that in our community. Because we need men to be fathers to the fatherless. We need men, really, I'm kind of, kind of going off script here a little bit, we need men that would come out and be with us with our students on Tuesday night. Because we have a, we have a bus full of kids that come over that have absent fathers. And we could use men to be a positive influence in those lives of those students. That's how we're going to provide hope in our community and being Jesus everywhere. So sign up for that. But you know, if we're going to continue to learn to be like the greatest of all time and learn from David, we need to, I think we need to do five steps. One is that we need to be sure that we have a Nathan in our life. We need to have someone in our life that we can allow and have, give permission to that can be brutally honest with us. That accountability partner, that when they come and they bring truth, that you don't punch them, that you accept what their words and you listen to what they're saying. See, I've learned through my, my upbringing here at Salem Fields Community Church that there's a blind spot that I have in my life that sometimes people can see that I can't see. And it's through that and that accountability that can help me to get better. And, and, and it's so true. We need a Nathan in our life that's going to point that out. And God will use those Nathans to point those things out so you can be, you can be great as God wants you to be great. The second thing we need to understand is that all sin is against God. You know, when we do something wrong to somebody else, that, that's not sin. That's just treating them wrong. But the sin is against God not against that person. And, and we have to look at it this way. We've got to stop looking and trying to measure up, oh, that sin's greater than this sin. A great illustration was given to me a few weeks ago by one of our student leaders. And, you know, and, and it's so true. In the world we live in today, we try, to, we try to bar graph our sin. And we try to say, oh, this sin is, is greater than this sin. And, and, and it goes this way. So we're looking at it as this bar, this bar graph situation. But you know what? That's not how God sees it. That bar graph looks like this, going up and down as we, as we look at it on paper. But, uh, and we're looking at it, at it this way. As God's looking down on it, it's all the same. So all sin is sin against God. All sin is sin against God. And, 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 and David realized that. In Psalms 51, 1 through 4, he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin are always before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So let you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. See, David acknowledged that he sinned. You know, we go back to the second Samuel chapter 12, we understand that after that, that, that word was given by Nathan in that story, when David became furious, 
at this man for, for killing that lamb. And then when David, point, when, when David was pointed out by saying, you're that, rich, you're that rich man, what did he do? He acknowledged that he sinned. He acknowledged that he sinned before the Lord. And he knew that it was against God. And then he did this. He took personal responsibility for his sin. So we need to take personal responsibility for the sin in our life. You see, surely I was sinful at birth, David says, sinful from the time of my mother conceived me, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Cleanse me, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let bones that have been crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. He took responsibility for his sin. You know, those, those, those people around him couldn't understand and grasp what, he was, what was going on. David went and, and he, he put, a, he put a, a sackcloth on, which was a sign of repentance, and, and, and it was uncomfortable. I mean, imagine putting a potato sack on, and that was what you were wearing, and the, the, how it rubs against your skin. And, and he, he laid out on the ground, and he cried out to God, asking uh, for forgiveness, saying, I know I've made, made wrong, I've done wrong. And the people couldn't understand it. Like, you need to eat. But he was willing to take whatever judgment came. Yes, he wanted God to spare his son. But yet, he was willing to take the, the judgment. And he accepted it. He accepted and took personal responsibility. When the word came that his son had passed, he knew there was nothing else that could be done and that, that God's judgment has been given and it was just. And he accepted that. And, and despite when, when, when things happen to us, what did he do? He, I mean, if, if God took my child, I'd be mad. I'd be angry. I wouldn't want anything else to do with God in, in a lot of ways. It would, it would tear me apart. But David returned and praised God because he accepted responsibility. He took personal responsibility for that. And he believed that, that, that in God so much because he believed that only God could restore him. And restore us from our sin. You see, that's what God did for you and I. God can only, is the only one that can restore us from our mistakes. And he'll continually restore us from our mistakes as we seek him out and take responsibility for those things that we do wrong. I mean, I'm blessed because despite my mistakes and praying out to God and owning up to those things, my children still love me. My wife still loves me. God's blessed me. Through that. And see, God can restore us through, through our sins. That's why he sent Jesus. And, 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 and David knew that. He gave us the example of, of pushing through and knew that only restoration could only come from God. He couldn't restore himself from, from the sin that he had in his life. It said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew me a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take the Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And then I will teach your transgressors the ways that sinners will turn back to you. You see, he took his mistakes and then he was going to use those mistakes to help others to avoid those mistakes. I hope that's what I'm doing in my life. I hope that, that, that my life is, is being transparent enough to say, I've made these mistakes, and it's not the end all, but that if you can learn from these mistakes, you don't have to make the same mistakes I did, but God still loves you, still loves me, despite the mistakes. I think that's why David's so great. 
I don't have to be perfect. God still loves me as long as I'm seeking him out. And that's the last point with that, is that always seek out God and repent. That means when God forgives you for it, don't go and do it again. That's not repenting. Change the action. You see, you don't read about David doing this again. David sought out God. He prayed out to God. He cried out to God, and he repented. We don't read again about another incident like Bathsheba happening in the life of David, which means he changed course. He changed lifestyle. It says, deliver me from guilt and bloodshed, O God. You are my God and my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it to you. You do not take pleasure in a burnt offering. You see, these offerings were there to, to give pleasure to God, but it's just to offer that, to try to, to offer something to God, to, to ask for forgiveness, doesn't really... You know, have you ever been told sorry, and it's empty? I mean, think about it. Has anyone ever told you sorry, but then they turn around and they do the same thing to you again? So was that sorry genuine? No, God wasn't concerned about just that simple sorry. He wanted a broken spirit. He wanted a, cont a contrite heart. And only then would the sacrifices be pleasing to God. See, God wants us to have a broken spirit in our mistakes because that will help us to repent and to change our ways. And doing that will capture the heart of God once again. You know, what, what is it that you're holding on to today? I, I, don't, I don't have answers or, or this. This is just something I've been, I've been dealing with. And, when, and I look up to David so much in this because I can realize that when I make a mistake, it's okay. As long as I follow this, these steps of David. So, so as we go into closing here um, in this last song, I, I ask you to ask yourself this question. What is God speaking to you today? Is God speaking to you today? Is he saying something to you today? Is he knocking on your heart and, 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 and trying to, to get you to, to write a mistake or to, to seek him out so that you can be restored? What is it that's out there that, that you need to take responsibility for? Maybe it's just your lack of relationship with God. And, and then ask yourself this, in what ways do I need to, to seek after God? And the last thing just to think about this week is this, is do, do you have a Nathan in your life? And if, if not, who can that Nathan be? Who's in your trust circle that could be a Nathan? I don't know what God is speaking to you today. I know what God continually speaks to me today on this is that, that it's okay. That I'm, I can continually have a heart after God and God, God will, I can capture the imagination of God when I own up to my mistake. And I can be great like David in my family's life and in the life of those around me. Let us stand and worship with this last song and just ponder these thoughts as we close. Show sure. 
innocent every day. I found everything together and watched the shadow. That's the tall and I have crumbled in the same breath. I have wrestled and I have trembled towards surrender. Just my heart adrift and drifted home again. Proud to blessing till I've been desperate to find redemption. And every time I turn around, Lord, you're still there.
It doesn't matter. I, you might be here this morning and you might say, God can't love me. I've, I've messed up too big. I've messed up. I've screwed up beyond what you can even imagine. But you know what? That song says it all. God's love is too good to leave you where you're at. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing you could ever do that's so bad that can't bring you back to God because his love is so great. And he wants you to experience that today. I don't know, maybe we can maybe go through that song just a little bit more again, but I, I, just, I have a feeling in a sense right now that, that we just need to pray. And, and, and we need to, maybe you need to come forward today and just lay it at, at, at God's feet. Lay that, lay that mistake down and accept his love that he has for you. Because see, God loves you. God, God's crazy in love with you. God's not mad at you. He wants you back. That's why he fights so much for you. That's why he gave us his son, Jesus. Don't let that mistake hold you back from that relationship of being restored with him. You know, come back to the Father on Father's Day. Experience his love, the love of a true father. Lord, we come before you today, and, and Lord, I don't, I love you. I thank you for being such a loving God that you love me despite my mistakes. That your love's too good for me not to turn back to you. So Lord, I lay it all down for you today. Maybe you're here today and you haven't ever been able to experience that love and you're, and you're crying out and you, and you feel that, that God's Spirit's tugging on your heart today to surrender it to Him. Well, just pray out, cry out to Him during these moments and pray to Him and say, God, I, I accept your Son. I accept His, his death on the cross for the, for the recovery of my sin as my Savior. And then you give Him praise and you thank Him. And maybe you want to show that act of surrender today by coming and kneeling at the altar. No one's here going to judge you for that. It's, a, it's an act of faith to God that you accept his love today because you accept that great love. Lord, we give you all the praise for what you're going to do in these moments. Let us continue just to worship here. Love's too 
Father, we just come to you, Lord. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of worship. Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, I pray that you would just pour out your blessings upon each and every one that's worshiped with us today, whether they've worshiped with us online or in the cafe or in this room. Lord, I pray that you would bless fathers today, that they would sense your love today in a mighty way. Lord, I pray that you would be with those that have lost their fathers. Wrap your loving arm around them, letting them realize that they have you as their father and their wife today. Lord, we just ask for blessings upon each and every person. We give you all praise and the glory, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day. God bless.